0: This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, I am joined by two of my friends, Aaron and Faith, and we're going to be discussing a movie that they have never seen before jaws from 1975 ladies welcome back to the program
1: thank you always a pleasure
0: thank you og guests in the house i know you guys are usual suspects i guess i just have one question to lead off this podcast which is you haven't seen jaws what the fuck you guys Uh, so sorry honestly what the fuck is wrong with you
2: well, I mean, if we hadn't seen it, we wouldn't be here today, and that would be a tragedy. That's true. Yeah, I guess you always
0: knew that you were going to have to do this
2: one day. Basically, yeah. That's why I hadn't seen it, because I wanted to discuss it in <laughs> a setting that was,
1: you know. Yeah, a podcast setting mm-hmm. um, roughly 40 years later.
0: All right, all right. Okay, fine. I, I mean, I'm a little offended just because this is like top 10 favorite movie for me. So,
2: Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's like number seven. When did you first see it?
0: When I was a kid. We're not talking about me, though. <laughs> we'll get to my feelings about the movie. Let's talk about you two first. And now, normally I hold this for a little later in the podcast, but given the movie that we're talking about, I think we should lead off with it. And there's no getting around it this time for either of you. <laughs> Aaron, yes. Faith, Faith, Aaron. Is there any music that you associate with this movie?
1: Mm, I can't think of any. I thought it was a silent
2: <laughs> film.
0: I see. So there's no sounds or score that you might be aware of associated with Jaws.
2: All right, fine. I'll play this game even if Aaron doesn't want to. Yes, we all have heard the music from Jaws, and I will now do it. Right, do you want us to like prepare you? Sure. I mean a little Woo-hoo, drum roll would be nice. yeah.
1: Good faith. All right. And Check next be up, at Jaws if you want. Da 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 uh-huh. I actually don't know how that ends. It, like, no, in I In My no mind idea. it just continues to get faster and faster.
2: Yeah, forever. Like, I don't know what instruments are making those sounds. So for both of you, you
0: know the da da, but you don't know anything beyond those two notes. Basically, it's just
2: da 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 da.
1: It gets faster. Duh.
2: That's it.
0: That's go any really further? all.
1: No, that's really all I know. Hmm. Okay. And it's
2: associated with like actually. Viewing the shark or about to view the shark, like the fin or something.
1: And, and you know, we all, I know obviously from pop culture, this is just the quintessential soundtrack for any sort of predatory situation. Right. It's anticipating
2: or- the fear of like seeing the scariest thing you've ever seen.
1: You know, mm. we've all done the, we've all done that song when an unwanted guest comes and they're walking towards you at a party. Oh, have you done it, Aaron? How did it sound in that case? I mean, I do it in my head. Mainly so. Erin,
0: for God's sakes, it's two <laughs> notes.
1: Done Yay! I dun, dun. thought that was a lot
0: better than Faith's version.
1: Thank you. Wow. How do you feel about I that? I have to now? go.
0: All right, cool. Well, so you guys, uh, were you ever like afraid of this movie growing up? Why haven't you seen it?
2: I feel like even as a kid, I heard about like the hype around Jaws when it came out, that it was, that it terrified people. Like, I think at the time when a lot of kids might see this movie at age seven or eight, I thought that I would be much too scared to see it. What about you?
1: Um, I mean, it's very similar. I grew growing up, you know, it was always advertised as like the scariest movie that ever was.
2: Like, I was familiar with the fact that it was so scary that people like didn't want to go on the beach when it came out, like. Beach attendance was way down in 75. hmm
1: Yes. Um, but also, I kind of felt like, I always have kind of felt like I I would be disappointed. So, I kind of just never wanted to actually watch it because I kind of always felt like it wasn't going to live up to the hype.
2: <laughs>
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, before we go any farther, I just want to be clear. You guys know what the monster in this movie is, correct?
2: It's a dentist, isn't it? Yeah, it's like an alien.
0: It's late-stage capitalism. Oh, okay. All right. That but makes it, sense. If I talk about a shark, I'm not going to be blowing it for anyone? No. no. All right. So, how are you guys in general? And we're we're getting off movies here for just a quick second. But how are you with the ocean, swimming, and I guess sharks in particular, too? Like, are you ever afraid when you go in the water?
1: No, not personally. Um not to speak for Faith, but I know that she also – we both love swimming. Mm-hmm. We go – we are big beach goers, actually. I do
2: love a beach. I love the ocean and the lake, but ocean on. probably trumps fresh water for me. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I'm much more afraid of, like, the idea of, like, drowning. Like, the sea is a very powerful force. Like, even when I'm in the water, I recognize that. I'm like, wow, I'm nothing against the ocean. But I don't – I'm not scared of sharks or anything like that.
1: I'm not afraid of sharks as much as I'm afraid of, like – crabs jellyfish things like that that are just under the surface of the sand that you could just step on
0: hmm All Right. so no no shark phobias yet but then again we haven't seen jaws so
2: it's true i may never go to the coast again
0: we'll see how you guys feel after the movie do you have a sense of what the film is like like clearly you both think it's going to be scary it's going to have a monster shark in it but do you know anything else about it
1: Things that I know about it, um, I believe Richard Dreyfus is in it. Okay.
2: That's the only actor that I know as well. I know Michael Caine was in uh, Jaws 4. The Revenge. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what he said about it? He did it for the paycheck or something like that. He did it because it was shot like in an, in the Caribbean and he wanted to go on a nice vacation.
0: Yeah, but he put it in the greatest Michael Caine way, which was uh, someone's like, so have you actually like seen how bad this movie is? And he was like, oh, I've never seen the film. But I have seen the kitchen that it built, and it's quite lovely. <laughs> Legend. Yeah. Not, um, not a good film, though.
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of it takes place, like, on a boat, a, like a fairly small boat, when they're looking for the shark. Like, I think either they're scientists Why would or- they go on a
1: small boat?
2: <laughs> you know- Big boats are expensive. We can't all afford a yacht, Aaron. Mhm. I see. So I think they're like they're either they're looking for the shark like as in how tornado chasers are trying to study tornadoes. They're trying to get as close to the shark as possible.
0: So this is like a scientific crew who wants to study the shark.
2: Uh sure. Sure.
0: Well, you you were saying like in Twister with a tornado crew, so they're trying to actually like approach it and get close.
2: Yeah, I I guess I don't think they're trying to kill it, but um then again I haven't seen it yet, so Maybe they are.
0: All right. So we've got a scientific shark studying group on a boat. Yes. And they find a shark and maybe get a little bit more than they were
2: anticipating. Well, I think the shark is already established as a killer shark.
1: I'm really not sure what the general um, venue or vibe is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be like a Baywatch kind of thing where – It's like sexy fun beach or if it's going to be more of like a perfect storm, weathered fishermen and all that good stuff.
2: I think it does take, is supposed to take place on a location that's similar to Cape Cod, which is close to home. Do you know, yes, we are in the uh, greater Boston area.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you know the name of the place that it takes place?
2: Like the town name?
0: Yeah. I do not. Dawson's Creek. Yeah, Aaron's got it. Mm -hmm. Are there any quotes that you associate with this film, that you think may have come from it?
1: I have no quote knowledge of I, this movie. I don't know any quotes. <laughs> Sorry. All right. No, it's all good. Just the song. The what? song in the Disney ride.
0: Ah, yes, the ride. Any other predictions before we sit down and watch this classic of American cinema?
1: Yes. I have some predictions.
0: Well, lay them on us.
1: I predict that the first person... To die or first people are either going to be a promiscuous girl or a promiscuous couple that are fooling around in the the water on like a happy sunny day. Okay. That's my prediction for the first death.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to
2: interrupt. One other question. Do you Mm. know who directed this film? I believe it was Mr. Steven Spielberg. Erin?
1: Yes, I also believe that it's Mr. Steven Spielberg. I'm only doing Spielberg movies for the podcast. (laughs) And Back to the Future 3, I hope. Eventually.
0: Well... There's going to have to be a fist fight for *Bash <laughs> the Future 3. Everybody wants that one. <laughs> uh, but you can have one or two if you want. Nobody's signed up for that. Anyway, uh, please continue. I uh,
1: predict there will be like a Captain Ahab sort of character. Interesting. <clears throat> maybe one that like looks like the fisherman from the old fisherman from The Simpsons sort of oh. has like a scar and maybe missing like a, like, a limb or like a peg leg. And he's like, I, I know how to defeat I know how to defeat the shark.
0: Could could you play this character out for us a little bit more?
1: Oh, I don't know if I can, Dave. How are we gonna defeat this shark? Oh, it's gonna be a process. Oh, he's a process-oriented
2: uh, sea captain.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, that
0: fits with your scientific crew. He'll fit right in with them. Right,
1: he's sort of like looking off in the distance while he talks. Um, mm-hmm. Knows when it's some, a character, or something like that. That's gonna like. Tell everyone about how to defeat the shark. Um, I predict
2: that uh, someone's going to be killed by being bitten in half, and then we're only going to see their legs, and their entire top half of their body is going to have been bitten off.
1: All right. Interesting. All right. Like It will just be like floating in the water, and people will think they're doing it the
2: Maybe way. dangling off a boat. I mean, I know a little bit about the background to this movie and the making of this movie which maybe we can talk about after but we will yeah i predict that the shark is gonna be not very convincing as a shark and it's gonna be almost comical like i think we're gonna laugh when we first see the shark and not in a good way Mm. like we're not gonna be scared because i think that like the special effects for the shark were not great. Like the animatronic shark is kind of silly looking. And for that reason, we're not going to see the
1: shark until close to the end of the movie. I predict that no sharks were harmed in the filming of this movie. I predict that we won't get Jaws backstory to say something you say a lot, Dave, like who hurt you Jaws? Why, why are you being such a dick?
2: Yeah, there's not gonna be a lot
1: of closure. You know, I just I feel like we're really you know, Jaws is gonna be sort of this one dimensional villain, and I just kind of because of that reason too, I kind of picture being a little bored, you know.
0: Okay, so depth can So what you're saying is that character. You don't think we're gonna get adequate backstory For Jaws. For the killer shark. Correct. That's eating people. Right. And because of that, Mm -hmm. you're gonna find this movie universally regarded as one of the most exciting films in American cinema,
1: Mm -hmm. boring. I mean, that's just what I predict.
0: You make me sick.
1: (laughs) I'm curious to know how they defeat or maybe don't defeat the shark. I do know there's many sequels. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that's just, you know, Jaws' offspring or wife in the future movies that are avenging him.
2: Jaws 4 is the revenge. I predict that Jaws makes it. Jaws does not die at the end.
1: I predict that we're going to think that he's dead, but Is actually, Jaws a he? I guess, yeah, we don't know.
2: Is Jaws called Jaws in the movie? I predict that no one will be saying, here comes Jaws. I think that's just the name of the movie, and they're going to refer to it
1: as the shark. Yeah, I, I think that's a good prediction. I know it takes place in the late 70s, right? So I predict a lot of chest hair.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: You know, just- Some kind of really ugly haircuts and just a lot of chest hair, which I'm into. I mean, I'm looking forward to that.
2: I would say we're going to have at least two mustaches out of maybe five main male characters. I think there's going to be one female on the boat and she's going to have three lines of dialogue Mm -hmm. that are her
1: own and interesting. I think that's actually maybe another reason I feel like I'm going to be a little bit bored with this movie because – Again, I always use Lord of the Rings as an example, but I just don't feel like there's going to be like a strong female character that's going to keep my interest. I don't predict a love story. Um, Yeah, I don't predict a love story either. Just, you know, promiscuous couples getting eaten. As they should. As they should. Yes, it's true.
2: I think that there's going to be another force um, beyond the shark that's like standing in the way of our heroes. Maybe some sort of local government agency that it's like, don't worry, there's like no shark problem at all. That shark is fake news.
1: Oh, interesting. Like a human big bad. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. Maybe like the local sheriff's office or something is like, there's no shark. Like the local coast guard is like, what shark?
1: Until that Captain Ahab character shows up in the rain.
2: I mean, I think there's going to be some clear evidence of a shark.
1: Oh, do you think this movie will pass the Bechdel test?
2: Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: so, that's all our predictions. Nothing else?
1: I, I think that's a pretty good set. I don't really know what else I can predict about this movie.
0: All right. In that case, guys, I think we should get ready to watch this. But um, just one last time, I want to build anticipation for the actual viewing of this mm-hmm. film. You know, maybe make us a little more anxious and full of dread. And one thing that can. Maybe do that would be some kind of sound cue mm-hmm. to lead us out
1: I really don't know what happens after that part. <laughs> no, probably just fades out.
2: Well,
0: we'll find out in a second. All right, let's watch it.
3: There is a creature alive today This is Universal's extraordinary motion picture version of Peter Benchley's best-selling novel, Jaws. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week, and you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there.
2: You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming
3: anyway. did you see that? It's all psychological. You yell, Barracuda. Gracious. huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water about 10 feet from the beach?
0: Yeah. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an
3: eating machine. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Bad fish, but I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your
0: father out of the water
3: now? This shark? Swallow you whole. Ah! You're gonna need a bigger boat. That's a twenty-footer. Twenty-five. Three tons on them. Hold it up! He's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up now. Don't wait for me. Now, shoot! fantasies of evil can compare with the reality of Jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws. See it before you go swimming.
1: I think we were supposed to join in Faith. Ah! Splash.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's that's how it ends up. Yeah. So that's the rest of the song.
1: Oh.
0: Yeah. I forgot the chorus. The chorus is the scream of the splash. Yeah. So, that was Jaws, you guys.
1: That was Jaws. Was it? I don't know if they said Jaws in the movie. That's true.
0: How do you know what movie you're watching if they never say the title during the uh, course of the film? It's true. I would have appreciated
2: if someone had pointed to the film and be like, Oh, there goes Jaws. It's Jaws. It's the Jaws shark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Did you say Jars? No, I said Jaws.
2: Jaws. Jaws. I I think we're also pronouncing shark wrong, guys. Shack. It's It's a shack. It's clearly shock.
0: So, uh, generally speaking, guys, did we like it?
1: Well, it wasn't boring, I felt. That's a good start. I kind of thought it was a little boring. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Uh, (laughs) God. (laughs) God damn it, Erin. I'm
2: really sorry. I'm going to come right out of the shark cage and say that I enjoyed that movie. Well, good. Faith, you can stay. Erin, get the fuck out of here. Okay, I'll go. As we know, this podcast does not allow multiple opinions on a movie.
0: This is a judgment-free, free free zone.
1: I feel very
0: judged. Good. So, let's talk a little bit about the background of Jaws before we dive right into the rest of it.
2: Um, I hope this is not the last pun that you will use in this segment. It is not.
1: Okay, so. Just on Red Bull. You know, Red Bull gives you fins. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) Okay, but come on guys, let's let's sink our teeth into the background of this movie. (laughs) Okay. So Jaws is based on the book Jaws by Peter Benchley. Now I have read this book, and I can personally attest that it's not that good. The book has a lot of subplots that are cut out of the movie, and that's to the movie's benefit. But one of the subplots that helps explain some of the things that are going on in the book a little bit better is the fact that um, the economics of the town of Amity are explained a little bit more, and what they really hammer home is that this is a tourist town. It's a very blue-collar community, and they rely on these summer tourist dollars to survive. So the the mayor, and we're going to talk about just how stupid the mayor is, trust me, Mm -hmm. but The mayor's behavior is a little bit more explicable in the context of the book. I mean, he says it in the movie, too, but it's rammed home more of the book that if the town doesn't get this, you know, 4th of July weekend money, it could very easily die, just economically speaking. So there is a strong incentive for them to just try and risk it, roll the dice and hope no no shark related activity happens and see if they can get that money.
1: It's it's kind of an interesting it's like. Southy, but on Martha's Vineyard.
2: We did have a lot of comments about the location and the people in that town.
0: Well I'm glad you mentioned that because my next note is the movie was shot mostly on Martha's Vineyard.
2: Hmm. We didn't we did notice like a cape atmosphere. We predicted Provincetown, but like I haven't been to the vineyard in a long time.
1: Was it, any of it shot in, in Provincetown? Because it really looked like Provincetown.
2: Possibly. All
0: I have is that it was mostly shot on Martha's Vineyard, but, um, you know, it was shot in that area. Yeah, so. close
1: enough.
2: We noticed right away, like in the first five minutes, there's a lot of like location um, setting and it really looked like it was shot, you know, where it's supposed to take place.
0: Yeah. No, it, it definitely has that vibe going on in a very authentic way. As like we said, we're from the area, so we would know what's authentic.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also with the Boston accent. We always
2: do have to comment on the accents, right? Yeah. I-
0: well, there was also some heavy New York accents as well.
2: Sort of. Yeah.
0: I also want to circle back to a couple of the uh, subplots that were cut from the book. One of them also explains the mayor beha- the mayor's behavior a little bit more. It's that he is uh, in deep with the mafia and has to keep the beaches open to make that money because if he doesn't, he's going to be in trouble with the mafia
2: Well, they did seem like they almost might be going to go that way at the beginning when they showed up in that fancy car and everyone got out and was wearing sharp suits. Yeah, quite sharp suits.
1: The Shoops were quite the Shoops. The suits were quite sharp.
0: I guess you could say they were almost as sharp as the teeth of a shark.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't say that. No, (laughs) definitely. The suits were much sharper. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh my God, the mayor's
0: outfits in this movie are fucking delightful in how ugly they are. They do get more extravagant. Well, he's got two main ones. In. He's got the horrible anchor suit and the even more horrible multicolored stripe. I don't. I won't even call it a rainbow because it's uglier than a rainbow. It's a
2: pastel rainbow. It's yeah.
0: disgusting and I kind of wish that character died, not just because he's a bad guy but also because, my God, that suit needs to be eaten.
2: Yeah, that's fair. It was a fashion crime.
0: Yeah. Lastly, uh, another subplot that was cut from the movie is the subplot where Hooper fucks Brody's wife.
1: Interesting. I could kind of. There was there was a scene where
0: all of them are together.
1: And she seems like very, they make a point to show how interested she is in like whatever story he's telling. And I actually at the time remember thinking like, this just seems unnecessary. They've like got, why? They've got some sexual tension. Well, they also have scenes of like
2: showing Brody like not being that interested in his wife. She's like, want to fool around? He's like, uh. Eh.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So she's clearly, you know, on the lookout. Some nice non-island boy.
0: She needs a real man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right like the kind of man who could kill a great white shark in one-on-one combat.
2: Which ends up at the end being her husband.
0: Yeah, so she's a lucky woman. All right. So this was also, and I just learned this, the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean. That caused a lot of headaches. Faith, you've been reading a book on this, so maybe you know this already, but the production of Jaws was famously troubled. Uh, Yeah, despite the fact that it was a huge success, ultimately, it was nearly shut down and not completed due to the delays and budget overruns that plagued the movie.
2: Yeah, I can speak to this like a little bit. I've recently been reading um, a book called Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, which is about the golden age of Hollywood, like the new Hollywood, they called the 70s, where all these... New, exciting directors who had a lot of power came up, you know, your Coppolas, your Scorseses, your Lucases, and Spielberg was in that group, like they were all friends, they were all starting to make movies together. And I think Jaws was like Spielberg's first or second movie, he was very inexperienced in being given any movies to direct, but they had... Several, like, the script wasn't finished when they were shooting it. They had to do lots of rewrites. And, like, the most problems they had on the shoot was actually with the shark itself. Yep. Like, that's what it caused it being, like, delayed. And they were just trying to, like, get the shark right. It didn't look good. Are you saying Jaws was a diva? Yeah, Jaws was being a huge diva. Wow. Like, there's this one story where uh, Lucas and Spielberg, who were friends, went into, like, the Jaws studio. It was in some tank, and they were, like, got in to, like so – they stood in the mouth, and they were, like, trying to, like, mess around with it, and they sort of, like, broke it. Mm. And um, it was because it wasn't actually working, so it took months before they could actually start filming.
0: Yes.
1: I would have liked more Shark.
0: Maybe, maybe not. Let's – um. Let's get to that in one sec. Well, so oh, uh,
1: what I was going
2: to say is they actually rewrote the script. So there was less shark because I the see. shark was like not looking so good on screen. Yeah, I
1: see.
0: And that many people think is to the movie's benefit. We'll come back to that in a second, though. So because of all this that you're talking about, Faith, the budget of the movie went from four million all the way up to nine million Three million of which was the need to do extra effects resulting from problems with the mechanical sharks. There were three of them. Um, Also, very famously, the shark itself is nicknamed Bruce. Bruce,
2: I was going to say, yeah.
0: Bruce the shark. There's one full body one which just had the belly missing so that you could get like the overhead. There's one that was... Full on the left side with the right side missing so they could do okay. it and then one for the opposite so they could get the flank shots.
1: What's the significance of the name Bruce?
0: I don't think there is any significance. It's just the name of the, the Jaws shark.
1: Just looked like a Bruce. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't look like a Bruce to you. I mean, I guess now we know it's gender. It's true. Yes, it Assuming is. Assuming Breezing Bruce as a boy's name
0: It is a male shark. Having read Peter Benchley's Jaws 2, which is even worse than Jaws 1, <laughs> I can tell you that the shark in the second book slash movie is indeed female.
2: Have you read the entire series, Dave?
0: There's only two books, so yes, I have. I have also read Having Peter Benchley's th- The Beast, which is about a killer squid. So you're a shark, uh, you're a Jaws completist. I am, yes. Interesting. I've seen Is there all the like movies a
1: birthing scene how do you know it's female
0: it's pregnant Okay. that's why it's killing all the people because it's eating for two
1: well that's fair yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> i mean we had a lot of sympathies with the shark throughout the movie i'm sure there we'll was times i
1: felt like a shark sympathizer
0: yeah the crew was evidently so disgruntled about how bad the shoot was going they nicknamed the movie flaws Ooh, mm. like that clever uh, Spielberg did indeed attribute many of the problems to his relative inexperience. He'd only made a couple of movies before this. I think at least one of them was a made for TV movie as well. But he said a big problem was that he insisted on shooting the movie at sea as opposed to in a tank, which created all kinds of more problems. But I think leads to the movie looking.
2: It looked better. much better. There were only a couple scenes where it looked like there was a kind of blue screen behind them.
0: Right. But of course, it's. Mm. It's easy for us to say like worth it now when the final product came out. But at the time, it was like it nearly destroyed the film.
2: Well, they also didn't have a lot of expectations for this movie. They weren't like they weren't like this is going to be the movie of the summer because A, that concept didn't exist yet. And B, like it was just like a monster movie that they didn't know who Spielberg was. They were just, you know, shooting a movie. Exactly.
0: Um, You know, so it just seemed like some film that was just going to be a failure. So he was definitely dealing with a lot. Including here are some of the problems they put up with while shooting at sea: unwanted sailboats drifted into frame, cameras got soaked, the orca began to sink with the actors on board. <laughs> oh, so that
2: wasn't just that was a real life scene. The yeah, end. the very last yeah. part
0: of the movie actually is just Spielberg filming what really happened. It's like the mm-hmm. opening of Apocalypse Now. Right. The writer was nearly decapitated by a boat propeller. Richard Dreyfus was almost trapped in the steel cage and killed. The actors were frequently seasick. Robert Shaw, who played Quint, frequently fled to Canada whenever he could because he was dealing with tax problems.
2: Well, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no surprise there.
0: Engaged in a lot of binge drinking (laughs) and developed a grudge against Richard Dreyfus.
2: Well, that also seemed accurate. That seems fair. They had to rewrite the script because it's like, actually, these characters do really hate each other. The editor, Verna Fields, uh,
0: rarely had anything to work with during main photography because, according to Spielberg, we'd shoot five or six scenes in a good day, three in an average day, and none on a bad day. Spielberg calculated that during a 12 hour work day, only about four hours were actually spent filming. Principal photography was scheduled to take 55 days. It ultimately took 159 days to shoot.
2: Well, it's because also they set everything at like dusk or dawn, yeah, that's so a big they had thing. to
1: just wait till the next day when they would get the same. Yeah, you can
0: only shoot during magic hour.
1: Everything yeah. is dusk or dawn in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: Spielberg said, "I thought my career was over. I heard rumors that I'd never work again because no one had ever taken a film 100 days over schedule before."
2: He did establish a lot of new standards. True.
0: Now, like you said, Faith, another major problem was that the the shark. Props themselves were constantly breaking. However, this wound up working in the movie's favor. One, also like you said, Faith, the breakdowns in time allowed them to do a lot of much needed script rewrites on the movie as they were doing it, like cutting a lot of those subplots we were talking about. But also, it changed the nature of the film because they couldn't get that many good shots of the shark. So many of the shots wound up just hinting at the shark and building tension and anxiety instead of just showing a silly and rather unconvincing monster, as you see when you do finally see it at the end. It doesn't look that great. The way they describe it is the film went from a Japanese Saturday matinee horror flick to more of a Hitchcock, the less you see, the more you get type thriller.
1: Okay, that seems very accurate. It was very effective that way, yeah.
0: Yeah. And also Spielberg said this too, The more fake the shark looked in the water, the more my anxiety told me to heighten the naturalism of the performances. And I think that's another thing worth mentioning is that the acting in this movie is pretty good.
1: Sure. I two quarters agree.
0: Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to that. But let's talk about the directing first. So this movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. Jaws was his third feature length movie. He was signed to direct this movie when he was 27 years old
1: wow
2: pretty young apparently people used to accuse him of lying about his age because he like wanted to see more like a young ingenue oh really i think he was but like he was also kind of in the game already well
0: he'd made he'd made a couple films but nothing like this he often refers to this movie as his own professional crucible but uh so what do we think of the directing in this film guys
2: i mean i wrote down directing is very interesting Like, I think that's part of what kept me engaged, especially during the long scenes on the boat, like, after halfway through. There are very interesting camera angles. There are very interesting cuts. I really enjoyed the direction and, like, was maybe because I was going to talk about it, but also just during the movie, I noticed it and appreciated it. There's some really gorgeous shots,
0: too. Yes,
1: I would say the cinematography was very lovely. There were some really nice shots. Um, It was a very... Because it's always filmed in dawn or dusk, though, it's very dark. I mean, there's the plenty lighting. of scenes
0: in the bright light of day, like the, right. the all the beach scenes during the middle of the film are in the middle of the afternoon.
1: Yes, of course. But there's just a lot. There's a large percentage of scenes that are very dark because they're filmed in these like strange witching hours. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting to film an action
2: movie where things are not moving that fast. Like, usually people are either swimming or running, or the boat's not going that. It's not a speed boat. So, you're not talking about like the, a chase where we feel like we're going 70 miles an hour. You feel like you're seeing things like in re, the, the speed they would actually move.
0: Yeah. Well, the sound design and the score add a lot to that, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I have some thoughts about that, actually. Yeah. It's a very musicless movie. Um, In a lot of ways, I feel like there's a lot of just very long periods of time when there's no music. Um, And I kind of have a hard time hearing the dialogue sometimes. I feel like it's kind of a quiet movie.
2: I mean, maybe it was part of the way that it was either filmed on location or mixed afterwards. Some of the dialogue is a little difficult to understand. I don't know. Maybe they didn't do a lot of, like, after vocal work. But I think, like, the music is used sparingly which is maybe mm-hmm. something spielberg is not known for in later movies but i think here it's quite effective uh-huh.
0: oh absolutely i i think the score adds a lot to this film there's a shot i want to call out to, which is just my favorite shot in the film which is uh after one of the earlier engagements with the shark uh the shark has gotten away and quint is uh leaning back on the prow of the orca with uh, his harpoon gun balanced in front of him. And he's just kind of leaning back, looking up at Hooper and over at the chief from where he's standing. And like the setting sun is behind him. It's just I think he's silhouetted mostly, but you can still make him out.
1: That's one of my I think that's also my favorite shot that was very noticeable, it stood out.
2: Yeah, they had some good, like, full-on, like, um, face-on shots so from interesting perspectives. Do you have that really famous one that we recognize, like, when um, yes. Roy Scheider is on the beach and what? the kid gets attacked and then the camera, like, z- like goes in quickly on him and, like, he's a little mm-hmm. blurred on the sides?
0: Yes, uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting this exactly right, but I believe that is referred to as a Zolly shot. Okay. And the reason they call it that is because In order to get that effect that they get on him, that kind of zoom that gives you the impression of like, holy shit, it's that... They're zooming in on his face while at the same time moving the camera away from him at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it it affects the way you see his face in the foreground, but like then adjusts the depth of field so that everything behind him kind of flattens out. It's like a hitch, kind of a very Hitchcockian moment. Very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah, it really gets across the uh, the inner emotions of the per- person you're focused on. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's
2: a great shot, and I feel like it was kind of like Spielberg doing a little trick because like the movie's not full of those, so in a way, it's a little bit out of character of the movie to have a shot like that. But I feel like Spielberg yeah, was one. he was doing a lot of playing around and experimentation, but most of it like really ties together. Yeah, well,
0: I think in that shot's case, though, it rams home that this is arguably the most important movie in the film because this is the moment where Brody is finally taken from the oh geez, I might have a real serious problem on my hands, to suddenly realizing holy shit, the entire town is in danger. You know, it's it rams home, like, what he's facing.
2: And it really shows, like, how he takes responsibility. Like, yes. how he's, like, a real hero because this really means something to him. He's Absolutely. not in it for mm-hmm. any other reason. Like, Quint is in it for, like, the glory or the money. Or revenge. Or revenge. And um, mm-hmm. Hooper is in it for kind of, like, the thrill and loving sharks and the scientific side
0: of it. Yeah, the mm-hmm. curiosity.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of these guys, let's talk about the acting a little bit in this movie. Let's start with Roy Scheider, who played Chief Martin Brody. Ladies, is Roy Scheider going to be your next pinup on your wall?
1: I don't, I don't care for his looks. Oh, per se. All right. I mean, they're fine. I mean, she... I'd say, yeah. Fine. Everything was fine. You did not really
0: seem to respond to him, Erin.
1: Well, I mean, I get. I get what he's trying to do. He's the stoic police officer. Um, you know, very quiet, kind of They're all kind of loners, like the core 3, but
0: Well, more than the other two, though, Brody is the most regular guy.
1: Yes, he's like the straight man. Yeah. Um, he's He doesn't say a lot. I just feel like he, and I he does a very good I guess like stressed out face, but I just found his character boring um overall because I I don't know like I mean I'm not, well, maybe he is this boring
2: is... he's a boring guy. I right. mean one thing they probably that was in the book that they must have cut like and I'm not saying it should have been in the movie, but it's not really clear his motivations for being there. Like how, yes. what was his journey to come to the town? They say you're an outsider. He's from New York, and like. He's come to love this town or feel like he has a responsibility for it somehow. And they they say that, but they don't exactly explain why. I
1: feel like there's a lot of unexplained – like, I don't – I get his motivation on, like, a basic level. But also, I feel like there's depths to his character that were not explained, like what Faith said. And also his fear of the water. And I get that it's just that he's afraid of drowning. But that just seems kind of boring. Like, I want a little bit more there.
0: Well, I think there's something to be said, though, for his every manness, because ultimately, this is kind of a man versus nature movie. I mean, the sure. shark is more than a shark in a lot of ways. It doesn't behave like a lot of sharks. It's, it's much bigger, it's stronger, it's smarter, it attacks humans in such a way that sharks don't really do. It's much more like a force of nature in and of itself. And so to pit against that, the most like, the most regular guy
2: it's interesting yeah the shark is very much a force of nature and is not like an like an allegory or a metaphor referring to his inner demons because like no not really right so it's just a shark at the end of the day which is right which is fine like but that's like the start of this type of movie it's not like he's really battling against himself here no it's it's a shark.
1: it's a shark kid it's a, shark <laughs> it's a kid. fucking shark kid hey jay <laughs> jay i think it's a shark.
0: All right. Well, um, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, I think also just uh, back to also the directing. I think there's a couple shots. Like I think the wardrobe is kind of particularly set up, especially on the boat, where you get this sort of image. I always notice this when characters are wearing the same color shirts. I'm like, that's kind of, I don't know. It seems like either sloppy or very intended. And I felt that the other two characters were wearing the same exact blue shirt. And then there's all these shots of this other character wearing like a black turtleneck looking looking away
0: right so you had Brody in black and then Quint and um Hooper were both in these like blue
2: they were men of the sea
1: they were men of the sea that had recently been bonded also and I just felt like that was I don't know if
0: if the specific colors in this scene were intentional but in my superficial research I did notice that What they were avoiding was they didn't want people in scenes to be uh, dressed in the color red. They wanted to have as little red as possible because whenever there was blood, they wanted it to really pop and like hit the eye hard.
1: It's interesting you say that because I noticed that the little boy that dies in the beginning was wearing bright red shorts, and I noticed that because I'm like, oh, it looks like blood, kind of like in a foreshadowy way maybe. Mm,
0: Maybe, yeah. So Speaking of our two- Men of the Sea, let's start with Richard Dreyfuss as Matt Hooper.
2: He's a wacky guy. Yeah, he was an interesting character. Again,
0: girls, is he going to be pinned up on your wall as your new poster?
2: I mean, I feel like these questions all start the same way, Dave. Do Dave, you want to ask what we thought of his acting?
0: I want to know which of the guys you think is the most hot. Quint? Obviously Quint. All right, I mean, well, it's we'll get really to him not. next. Let's do Hooper <laughs> um, first. Well,
1: first of all, I will say that there was a general lack of chest hair in this movie, which so was disappointing, which was one of your disappointing few, to me.
2: One of your few predictions that did not come true.
1: Right, so I will give Richard Dreyfus some points for just having the most chest hair.
2: But it wasn't a lot.
1: And it, he didn't really show it off as much as I would have liked. No one so, took
2: their shirt off.
1: Right, so in terms of the pinup situation, it's definitely Quint. A thousand
2: percent. When he took his tooth out? hmm <laughs> Yes. Quint's a fucking man. Yeah, very a, much so. He's a man. Did you see all those sharks on his wall? He's, like, been around. Yes. He's got those leathery, calloused hands.
1: He's been around a lot, yet he's from America. <laughs> what well, is he? Despite we, his. He had some
0: questions. Accent. Let's do Hoover first, though. Did we like him? Was his acting good? He was fine. He was fine.
1: I really. Just
2: fine? I I didn't really know who Richard Dreyfus was. I know the name, but like I, I thought that Roy Scheider's character, like the picture in my mind, was Richard Dreyfus. So I had no expectations of like what his acting was going to be, and like I still kind of feel like I don't.
3: I felt
1: I, I feel like I know a little. Like I had, he lived up to kind of the Richard Richard Dreyfus thisness of what i thought like a little bit manic a little bit like
2: he did seem shaky. i said that several times that he seemed like a steven spielberg stand-in like oh, he yes, looks a he bit did. like him and he like wears a gray tur- um sweatshirt and just seems kind of nerdy
0: i feel that mm-hmm. i don't know i i really like this character maybe it's because i empathize with him a lot
2: i feel like you don't have a lot of millionaires in movies who aren't like dicks Right. Or like having a like their money being their primary driver. Like this guy was just like, oh, yeah, I'm rich. Meh.
0: Right. So this is another thing that was a bigger deal in the book. In the book, in fact, Chief Brody is from the town. He's not a, an outsider, but there's a lot of class resentment between the poor working class tourist reliant island people and the rich tourists who come in the summer and are thoughtless and just spend a lot of money and leave. So the uh, the fact that Hooper is so wealthy is a source of tension between the two of them. It's not as big a deal in the film.
2: I kind of wish they'd played it up a little more. I'm not saying make it a huge subplot, but like you know, another couple minutes of like
1: and it was related to forth. one of the major subplots of the you know the situation in the town, like the dynamics of the town. I really so. liked that first section, so I would I thought it would have been
2: more interesting if they'd shown like you know some interaction between some like rich visitors and then like the blue collar people who are having to like agreed.
0: Well, you do get the, uh, the the tension in between working class Quint and rich boy know-it-all Hooper, uh, especially at first. It's the source of basically all the tension on the boat until the big bonding scene.
1: I'm just saying like one scene at the annual regatta. You know, it's true. That didn't no play annual... into it.
0: Yeah, it's it's too bad the regatta doesn't come into it. However, if we are to go ahead and watch
2: Jaws 2. Is that set in the regatta? I
1: don't, don't that... know. Maybe. Wow, Ooh. is that the name of Jaws Two? The, the Regatta. regatta?
2: <laughs>
0: it's, Jaws, actually, it's, it's actually it's actually Jaws Two. It's called the Regatta colon Jaws Two. Mm-hmm. I don't want to move on from Hooper before just throwing out. Also in the book, so in in the book, Chief Brody doesn't really like Hooper that much because he's a know-it-all rich kid. Uh, they fight along on the boat. Hooper bangs Brody's wife, and then at the end, Hooper gets eaten by the shark. He dies. That was originally the plan for the movie, too. However, doing some of the uh, B-roll, some of the people responsible for that shot footage off the coast of Australia of a shark cage in the water, and one thing I liked was that they got very small, short people to get in the cage that the sharks would look correspondingly bigger in all the shots.
2: Oh, so there were real sharks, like...
1: Yes, some of
0: that footage is a real shark.
1: Hmm, wow!
0: And okay. what happened was, at one point, the cage was empty, and a real shark came by and just tore the shit out of it and destroyed the cage. So all that footage of the shark actually destroying the cage is real. But badass. It, yeah, I know. But it happened when the cage just happened to be empty. So they were like, we got to use this footage. So they rewrote it a little bit to be like, okay, Hooper actually gets out and escapes, escapes and goes somewhere else. And the shark keeps wrecking the cage. And so that little thing saved that character's life in the movie. They had to rewrite it to get that footage in.
2: Which was honestly a strange part of the ending. Like it would have been made a lot of sense if it was just Roy Scheider who survived. It and felt like, like it should have been that way,
1: right? Yeah, and no, Richard Dreyfuss is just like, I'm gonna hide over here. And then he
2: comes up at the end. He's like, oh, hey. And yeah. the other guy's like... Huh, wasn't that funny?
1: And hey man, we end. did it. We killed the shark.
0: Did we? Yeah. We. Right. Let's go tell your wife. All right. Let's let's talk about the real star of this movie. I'm talking <laughs> of course about Bruce the Shark. Okay.
2: <laughs> uh, so please say his full name. What is what is his first name?
0: Bruce Josington the <laughs> 3rd.
2: I'm talking about our sea captain. Oh yes.
0: Let's talk about Robert Shaw who plays Quint. Well, what's Quint's first name? Dude, he's just Quint. He's
1: just Quint. All right. He's like Prince He's like
0: Cher. Cap-
2: captain Quint?
0: No, just Quint. <laughs> he outranks any captain anywhere. He outranks everyone. Just say Quint and you go straight to the top. Guys, what did we think of Quint?
1: I liked Quint.
0: Is he your new pinup model on yes. the poster <laughs> on your wall? A thousand percent. Absolutely. Dude, he's fucking awesome.
1: He is. I mean, I cannot believe how much he kind of fit what I was picturing as a prediction. He is your surly, salty sea captain. You
0: definitely (laughs) nailed that. And very Captain Ahab-ish. Yeah. Although, Aaron, we learned during the course of the movie that you don't actually know
1: what Captain Ahab means. I mean, I have just never read Moby Dick. I see. So I know... Like, his archetype. I just don't know. Okay, that's Like, fair. the specifics. Yeah.
0: No one's actually read Moby Dick. Okay,
1: yeah. Have you guys faith? No, I mean, no. I,
2: would, I, would, uh, I would watch the movie and do a podcast about it.
0: I would read the Cliff Notes for Moby Dick. Right, right, right. But I- I'm convinced that no person has actually read <laughs> Moby Dick. People just claim that they've read Moby Dick. But we all get the idea of how Ahab dies. Quint's death in the book, too. Not to keep making this uh, what I read in the book corner, but- His death in the book is much closer to what Ahab's is in Moby Dick, which is that he harpoons the shark, gets tangled in the ropes, and then gets dragged underwater and drowns. That's how
2: Ahab dies. I mean, that seems like a real possibility when they're chasing this shark for like 45 minutes. Definitely. But his death in the movie is so much more badass. I mean, it's close to my
0: prediction about someone getting eaten. Yes, but you get a guy partway through who gets uh, chewed up and only the leg falls to the ground, which you were looking for.
1: Yeah, I think what I kind of picture for that archetype is there's a revenge. His thirst for revenge and glory kills him in the end because he And destroys he clearly becomes the, obsessed with
0: right. the shark. He won't go back. He destroys the radio. He right. pushes the boat farther than, than it can go and breaks it. Right. Yeah, he loses he loses his objectivity.
2: And he's kind of the only guy that they really deeply go into his motivations for right. when they tell the story of what happened to him in World War II. Yeah. Let's circle back to that in a little bit, though. I just Um,
1: want to... Yeah, but in terms of his acting, I mean, I just found his character the most interesting and the most entertaining to watch. Oh, definitely. Um, Great singer.
2: Great singer. Yes.
1: Great singer. And, of course... You said that him and Richard Dreyfus did not get along. That's interesting.
0: They they say that. I don't know how true it is, but it's it's hinted at in some of the uh Their chemistry stuff. is very
1: weird. You know, like Faith mentioned several times about like it just kinda seems like they're flirting. It does in this seem weird like way. Like they have some sort
2: of
0: thing going on. It's a love hate thing. It's it's the you know, you tease the girl you have a crush on because you have a crush on her kind of thing.
1: But just say like, right, yeah. But in that way, you know, he said he resented Richard Dreyfus. I kind of really felt that when he was talking, you know, like, oh, you pretty boy. Yeah. He's grabbing his hands. He's these are not hands of a man. These like, are city
0: hands, Mister <laughs> Hooper.
1: Yeah. Um. And I liked, I liked that.
0: I think he makes the movie. Like, you don't have as good a film without Quint, without Robert Shaw playing Quint.
1: I was really upset, when, you know, and I was hoping that he was in all of the sequels.
0: I always, every time I watch this movie, and I've seen it now like 200,000 times, every single time I'm secretly play, praying in my mind, maybe in this time, maybe this time, Quint will survive. And it always just breaks well, my Well, maybe heart. next time he will. I keep hoping, Faith. I keep hoping that in one of these times, I'm going to put in Jaws and watch it, and at the end, Quint gets away.
1: Yeah. That's when you're in the retirement home and they like alter the footage for you, like they do in what? God with the Wind on the Simpsons. Oh. Oh my God, Quince! Frankly, my dear, I love you. Let's get <laughs> married. <laughs> it's going to be like that for you.
0: So long as we're talking about quotes, you guys, there were a few quotes in this movie. Did you recognize any of them?
1: There was one I recognized. Um, You're going to need a bigger boat, right? That's the one I recognized.
0: Yeah. There was also—it's not really a quote. It's more um, Quince' incredibly badass introduction to the movie, which is his dragging Ugh. the nails down the I chalkboard. Can't. I know it sounds horrible, but it's like everyone turns to him and he has this speech where it just is like, oh my God, what an introduction.
1: I feel like he created that trope. Like, I feel oh, like yeah, that's the trope that there's been so much based on. That you base your that. prediction on. Yeah, exactly. So that's interesting in terms of the point of your podcast. I cannot handle the scratching. I mean, even thinking about it, I feel like particularly there's nothing we more We both put our hands over our ears. than that noise to me. I can't. Ugh. So,
0: Aaron, uh, I believe you were the one who predicted we'd have an Ahab-like character. Nailed it. Yeah. You said that there would be no shark backstory. Yes, but then again, later on in the film, we developed a theory, didn't we?
2: Yes. What did you write it down? I forgot. It
0: is that we see Quint's workshop full right. of the boiled corpses oh, that's of right. these shark the, the the jaws of all the uh, the, actual the actual jaws are jaws. all over his workshop. This shark is out for revenge for its people. Right. Against Quint, who, incidentally, is only killing sharks because of what they did to him. This whole movie is it's a, a cycle. cycle of revenge. It's true. Right. My God.
2: You guys were cracking the code here. Jaws is much <laughs> deeper than you may have thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, he also, you know, there's that, that scene where, what's, um, what's his name? Brody? The, yeah, Brody is like looking through the book of history about sharks, just looking at dead shark after dead shark. Yeah, it's sad.
2: I, I mean, from what I could tell, this all of human history has been person versus shark. That's like the greatest it, um it adversary of history, our species.
1: Yeah. I have yeah. Go ahead. I'm curious, you know, Richard Dreyfus Hopper gives a lot Hooper. I'm sorry, Hooper gives a lot of like shark facts. And I feel like at the especially at the time, because this is pre internet, I feel like he's giving a lot of information to audiences and he never once mentions that sharks don't normally attack humans it's rare for them to do that like that's never mentioned it's only the scary i think they the
2: science in quotes in this movie is very selective
1: exactly and so but i think that does a disservice to its audience members i think it does it a disservice
2: to sharks, to sharks. Yep. yeah i mean i don't think people really knew like the common person didn't think about great white sharks before this movie I want you guys to keep that in the back of your mind. We're
0: going to circle back to that in the uh, legacy section of this discussion okay. because uh, you're onto something. Okay. I, I will throw out there, though, Hooper does say one thing that is actually accurate as far as I know, which is that uh, sharks are attracted to jerky thrashing type interactions with the water. So if you're swimming or splashing... It senses how rhythmic it is. And if it's like rhythmic, it gets the idea okay, this is a healthy animal that's just swimming normally. But if it's thrashing around and arrhythmic, it's like this is something that's potentially injured and maybe I can go eat it.
2: I thought sharks were only attracted to Australians because as far as I know, like 90% of shark attacks seem to take place like off of Sydney
0: Harbor. No,
1: it's just that Australians are the most jerky, thrashy That is also demographic. Fair. fair.
0: They also have candy blood Mm-hmm. and sharks like that. Yeah, that's why they all hang out down there.
1: Right. Mo- we're normally too salty for them. Mm-hmm.
0: You guys, did you find the shark to be very convincing as a shark or did you find it almost comical, the special effects being silly looking, and that you don't see the shark until the end?
2: Well, I mean, I wrote down at first, shark doesn't look as bad as I've heard, but then I added a note below that, but the more they show, the worse it looks. Exactly, yeah. So I think that's basically how I felt about that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Aaron, I believe it was you who predicted the shark would not die at the end and the shark will win. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. I
0: kind of wish it was that way, but it's not.
1: Are you sure? Did Bruce make it?
0: Maybe he made it. Yeah, sure. Sure. And unfortunately, no one actually says Jaws.
2: We did predict there were no women and-
1: Oh my God, it's just- There's Mrs. Brody. All white men.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of male talking.
1: Yes.
0: Well, they did make this in 1975.
1: No, it's, I mean, I'm just saying that contributed to my boredom.
0: I mean, there only were white men back then, guys. <laughs> <laughs> in, Women weren't in Hollywood, invented until 1983. That's true. that's true. Yeah. Um. So, yes, you were correct. There is uh, not just one female, but zero females on the boat. Not a lot of dialogue. No love story. There was Mrs. Brody. She's not a huge part. There's also uh, a woman who's uh, an important voice in the town like... Uh, She's one of the town business like owners. The,
1: oh, there's a few busybodies also.
0: Yeah. So, but still, no, no major characters except for arguably Brody's wife. Like, um, I don't know if
2: any woman had a first name.
1: Uh, though there was Sheila and Polly. I wrote that down. Oh, they didn't have last names. No, That's another trope. Sheila and Polly. Yeah.
0: And it does not pass the back <laughs> It
1: does not to. pass the
0: back test.
2: I mean, there could have been, in theory, two women talking about the shark. I think that would have counted, but it did not happen.
0: Lastly, there's the prediction that there would be another force besides the shark standing in the way of the heroes, a human big bad, maybe the local sheriff's office, someone who denies the existence of the shark.
1: Yeah, I mean the mayor was definitely a shark sympathizer. <laughs> I feel like Dave, this might be your highest like pod ratio
2: like predictions to actual like playing out of events. we were yeah, pretty spot on.
1: You totally. You haven't. I made another prediction that was very accurate. I mean, it yet. certainly
0: yeah. seems like the mayor is working with the shark, right?
1: Yeah, like he's,
0: the shark's paying him off. He's pro shark. Yeah, secretly. I think if you kept an eye on the mayor, he'd be making secret trips out to the pier at night and like getting 20s thrown up at him. Mm-hmm. Maybe the shark steals him from the wallets of all the people he eats.
1: Yeah. I mean, my other prediction that was exactly what I thought it would be was the first death.
0: Oh, the promiscuous couple?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, I said promiscuous woman
0: or couple. She's not really confirmed to be promiscuous.
2: She takes off all her
0: clothes she and runs swimming. in the water. She's wearing. She's not wearing a bathing suit. She just goes she- swimming.
1: Is definitely like the promiscuous woman I exactly pictured.
0: Well, fair enough. Guys, what did you think of this opening scene?
1: It was exactly what I predicted.
0: (laughs) Did you think it was scary?
1: I mean, yeah, I think the concept of it is scary because it's, again, shot in Dawn. We don't see the blood and it's a lot of. Kind of, it's definitely like a, a worse nightmare situation.
0: Do you find it maybe a little more frightening, given that it's you're, it's someone who, who's in such a vulnerable position, and you can't see what's happening; you just know it is happening.
2: Oh, yeah, no, of course I you can't show the shark at the beginning. No, it has to be suggestive. Well, we
0: didn't know that before this movie in a lot of ways, though. The The slow Hitchcockian reveal of the shark a little bit more each time was a result of all these mechanical problems, you know?
1: I mean, to be honest, if I did not know that it was about a shark, I would not have guessed that that was a shark attacking the woman. I was kind of... What
0: would you have thought it was?
1: I don't know, but I was thinking about the mechanics of like how the shark would just be kind of like tugging at it. It's not like it can reach out its arms and kind of pull. I feel like if it pulled her down a little bit, there'd be like a chunk of her missing. It's true. If it
2: wasn't called Jaws, like it could have been anything pulling her down under there. Well, that is how it starts. I mean, she, you know, she gets
0: the first like tester bite, the little like whoop, what the? And then it's a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and then it's mm. dragging her back and forth. I, I think that opening scene is terrifying. Just because I agree. I
1: thought it was good. It's but.
0: it's more. It was more violent than I remembered, too, like the way she's dragged around and screaming.
1: And like, I think
2: at some point she says like, it hurts or it hurts or something yeah. like, like it's talking about like, actually, this is like a real thing. Oh, yeah. She's being eaten alive. I think
0: it's pretty terrifying. I mean, imagine that happening to you.
1: Absolutely. I think it, it, it gives me a visceral fear because, you know, I like to swim and- I could picture myself in that promiscuous situation. No.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> so after that, we discover our town of Amity, our little summer town.
1: Which is an interesting name. It reminds me of Amityville.
2: We did call it a cult town a few times.
0: Yeah.
1: It
2: was so Island
1: cult culture.
2: Like mysterious, well, yeah, exactly. They're like, Well, you're not from here, you don't understand how we do things. They have a very particular way that they run their town, which I think is actually quite accurate.
0: Oh, definitely. And, of course, it stands in the way of Brody being able to do his job and keep them safe for so much of the film, too. They're like,
1: Shaxx, Max, whatever.
0: We need that tourist money on the 4th of July. Ked, as you know, Amity means friendship. Then we get our second kill of the movie. Well, our second kill is a kind of a twofer, and uh, unlike what you thought might have happened, Naren, where it would kill the couple making out, they actually just go all the way for it, and kill a dog and a kid. I right.
2: forgot about the dog dying. That is... They don't show
0: it, at least. I know, thank God. I mean, damn, they they get you on both those ends with the two things you're not really supposed to kill in a movie.
2: I still like to think that that dog made it.
0: Yeah, maybe it just saw the shark and ran away. Yeah, hopefully. I got my fingers crossed, because you never see a body. True. But that kid definitely bites it uh, and Yeah, hard. What can you do? Yeah. Pretty good death, too. Blood everywhere.
1: You know, I mean, he had pruny hands, and his mom said, you know, let he him go have back. Got, he
2: should have gotten out when they got too pruny. Mm-hmm. Always listen to your mother, kids. I mean, she had a great scene later on, though. I think they killed that kid just so they could give his mom that scene where she slaps Brody. And... Gives him what for.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I used to watch that scene and I always used to resent her a little bit because I kept thinking I was signing with Brody. I was like, that's really not fair. Like, he tried and was stopped and now he's taking.
1: She doesn't know that. Well, right. But also,
0: too, like now that I'm older, I have maybe a more like adult view on it, which is that it really is his responsibility. Like, he caved to pressure.
1: Absolutely. Also, there's an interesting, I think the mayor says it. Right after she leaves, he's like, "She's wrong."
0: Yeah, and it's it's empty,
1: strange
0: because she's not wrong. She is right. Like he could have he could have prevented the death of her child if he just stood up for what he knew was the right course of action.
2: I was just thinking that woman was probably like a regional theater star. Like she had some chops. She was actually from Amity. (laughs) Right, she was a local. They just found Mm -hmm. her off the street. Yeah, she did a great job.
0: Oh, also, just throwing out there, there's the line that's one bad hat, Harry, which is a line that J.J. Abrams liked so much that he. Made it the calling card for his uh, production company.
1: Nerd. Oh, oh yeah. The other <laughs> quote was, um, it's only an island if you look at it from the water. It's a good good quote.
0: It's only an it's island if you look at it from the water.
1: You know, because outsider, insider. Oh, no, it's clever, though. It's clever.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so- uh, that's also the scene where we get that amazing shot of Brody realizing what's happening. But then after that, we get Quint's amazing intro into the film. <laughs> Just in time, too. Like, let's get some color. We were
2: very tickled during that moment. Oh,
0: absolutely. The bounty is $3,000 for the shark. And keep in mind, that's a
2: 1970s money. Right. So that's like that's two, $2 million into this. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Quint, though,
0: he wants 10.
2: You know, he drives a hard bargain, but he wants to retire on that money, which you could back then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) After that, we get the great scene with those two bozos trying to catch the shark with the roast.
2: That was cute. I liked it.
0: I also noticed just for the first time in this, I'm pretty sure that that dockside disaster happens on the Brody's dock. Like, you see it from their house at one point, and then when they're out there later, I think that's their house again in the background. Interesting. Yeah, they're trespassing.
1: Yeah, I would like, again, more of that. I kind of liked learning about the townspeople. Like, I know it was comic relief, but. Well, it was interesting because, yeah. like,
2: it did actually have, like, a backstory that was based in something written, like David saying the book. Mm-hmm. It was a well-realized town. Yeah. Even in the movie, like, all the little details about it are well thought out. I mean, I think it feels accurate just because, A, like, we sort of know the area, and it's based on source material, and they shot it on location. I right. think all of those things coming together make it seem more authentic.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Richard Dreyfus shows up at this point. And I like his introductory scene. I especially like his scene doing the autopsy, or not full autopsy, but his examination of the girl when he's uh, looking at the evidence that it is a shark attack. There's uh, one good quote that I think is kind of well known, which is, This was no boat accident.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they actually didn't touch on it more, like, with, like, the media coming or, like, the frenzy once the word gets out. So, like, looking into the shark. I'm actually not unhappy that they didn't, like, dwell on that more because I think maybe it would have been a little boring. But they definitely show just for, like, a minute or two that now people have caught on to the story. Yeah.
1: Right. He is asked – Hooper is asked to come by Brody. Yes. Is that – Okay, because Brody looks up like in the phone book because they again don't have internet. Like shark expert, he's probably, basically yeah. He's probably from Woods Hole where they have you know the Marine Institute down there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he only comes alone. He doesn't tell anyone else.
0: Well, I'm sure he was like, hey, just guys, one I'm... shark.
1: No, the, you how know, he, bad could it be?
0: He called the institute. He said, could you send somebody? They sent someone because
1: of a boat accident. He said, come look at this boat accident.
0: I mean, he knows. I think he calls him before they make him change it, right? Is right. that how it happens? I guess. And then all of that shenanigans gets exposed the instant, instant he arrives. I I, I do just kind of like his acting in that scene, though. Like, his intensity really brings the scale of the threat home, because you haven't seen the shark up until this point, and there aren't actually a ton of shark kills, so, like, Richard Dreyfuss' fear in this scene, like, it, it gives us a sense of what we might be
2: facing, you know? I mean, it shows that he's, like, squeamish, but he's, like, doing it anyway. Like, he, it shows a little bit of character that he pushes through his own, like, uncomfortableness on, like, how horrible it is. Oh, yeah. No, there's a great part, actually, where it's, I think it's a good line reading, where he's like, so
0: there's this and that that's happening with this buddy. Could I have a glass of water, please? And then this and that is happening with the buddy, and, you know, like, just There's a cute
1: throwback to the water, too. Like, little glass of water, when he's drinking the little glass of water, and then Quint chugs a beer and... Uh, Crushes crushes it. it, And then he does the same thing with the little glass of water. Oh, true. Crushes it back.
0: Yeah. And also just shows Quint how manly he is.
1: And also, sorry, the second autopsy he performs with the milk blood, the milky blood of the. The autopsy on the shark. Right.
0: Yeah, it was like stomach juice.
1: I just wonder how they, like, what they used for that substance if they went out and bought a bunch of milk and just.
2: I liked that whole part of the plot where like they caught the fake shark and it was so obvious that it wasn't the shark but everyone just just wanted to believe it and then they like convinced the chief to let him do it and then they did it like I thought that just was played out very nicely.
0: And it goes a long way towards building up the Brody Hooper relationship as like two dudes who are starting to come together
2: as friends. Yeah, they have to do that in kind of quick order. Yeah, right. and I think they accomplish it well. They pretty much accomplished all the main bonding over booze.
1: Right, he brought a red and a white, and then they got drunk and
0: went on a boat. Getting drunk on a boat is the source of 99% of island friendships. I do want to say, going back just a little, I do very much like the scene immediately before that where Hooper comes to dinner, because we mm-hmm. get a lot of very nice character moments in that scene. You get Brody uh, bonding with his kid a little bit. Which it doesn't really advance the plot. It's just a nice character moment for him. They have One to of
1: show he few. cares
2: about his children,
1: because yes. he doesn't
2: seem to have many other motivations. Well, you know,
1: it's like when he breaks from his stoicism too for like a moment, right? And then there's those nice that nice scene between Hooper and Brody's wife.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh huh. I wonder. Be. I wonder where that went.
0: Getting it down. I um. kind of
1: feel like that part of the plot happened off screen. Oh, you think that actually still happened? Right. Just off screen. Interesting. Interesting. It was it was the 70s.
0: We do get a really good jump scare when they're investigating, when the uh, the dead body comes into view underwater yeah. and Hooper screams. Uh, at least one of you guys. I, I did. did. Oh, oh, both of you guys yelped when that happened. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I imagine like being in the theater in the 1970s when that first jump scare happens. Probably pretty loud.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a question, Dave. You had told us to particularly look, pay attention to a scene where a bunch of people were coming to the island on the boat. It's true. and then You never
2: circled back to that.
0: Well, I was going to wait until Legacy. I see. Okay. But since you bring it up, there is the possibility that the movie Jaws has solved a cold case. So there is a famous unsolved murder uh, called the lady of the dunes which is a woman who was murdered and her body was found on a beach no one's ever on Martha's Vineyard uh yeah or wherever they happen to be filming that day and um the this is where it gets really funny Stephen King's son Joe Hill who I love actually I like Nosferatu he believes that there is a woman In the background of one of those scenes, she is getting off of the ferry in that scene. And he thinks that that woman is the Lady of the Dunes. And if that is true, that is the last, it's the most recent confirmed sighting of her and placement of her geographically up until her death. So it adds a little bit more information into where and when she was at a given point, uh, before she was murdered,
1: is Joe Hill writing a book about this?
0: You know, I just saw it kind of in passing, giving an book. article. But uh, evidently, this like new information is uh, kind of oh. making people excited. Is it so a recent theory? Yeah, uh, the the crime is very old, but the the idea that she might be in the background in a scene of Jaws and that this might lead to some new information is a recent thing.
1: Yes. Do you think it was Richard Dreifus?
0: I 100% think it was Richard Dreyfus.
2: You heard it here first, folks.
1: We're solving a lot of stuff today, guys. Yeah.
0: So uh, then we get our big big attack where the guy loses... Well, I was going to say he loses his leg, but he actually more like loses the rest of his body and only has the leg left. He remains his leg. Right. That's kind of what you predicted, Faith.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to see a whole lower half just like hanging out by itself, but I'll take a leg, I guess. Sure, sure.
1: But you wanted like just... The shot of the legs and thinking it's attached to a person, and then the slow reveal that it's not. Exactly. I mean, there are sequels. Hopefully,
0: I can still get what I want. Right. Maybe. Um, And so they finally hire Quint after this, and we get the immortal line: "Here's to swimming with bow-legged women."
1: That's right. Hey guys, cheers, cheers chin chin. I did write that down. Mm -hmm.
0: Then we have a long period of these dudes on a boat just not getting along. You've got Brody, who's useless. And then you've got between Quentin Hooper, this whole science versus experience problem, which you guys pointed out.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Really onto something, you know, it's not just the socioeconomic stuff that divides them. It's that Hooper has faith in his in his book learning and Quentin's faith in his experience. And
1: neither of which work in the end. That's right. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's, yeah. It's um, useless Brody that really his police. His police skills. What
0: you really need is a regular guy. Is is a
1: regular Mm -hmm. guy. That's right. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting, Faith, because you mentioned this, that there's only three. And it's true. There's usually kind of like a core four. But I don't know what kind of archetype you would add to that dynamic. Well, there's the shark. Yeah. But like it was interesting because even
2: though there were three of them, they were all kind of by themselves. They occasionally worked together, but they didn't have a strong core dynamic. It had to be formed like under these stressful circumstances. They weren't a crew.
0: Not until the big scars scene, which starts out with them comparing scars and you get at least Quint and Hooper finally bonding. Just like
1: we're about to compare scars right now, right, guys? Absolutely. I mean, you had mentioned that I'm so Quint.
0: Well, all right. So there's three of them. There's three of us. Aaron, you're Quint, clearly. Apparently. I do have a lot of scars. And uh, Faith?
2: I think I must be Brody.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. You're Brody because you're definitely- You've made it clear that you relate most to Hooper. Hooper.
0: Well, like Hooper, I slept with Brody's wife.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was off screen. That
0: bitch. <laughs> it's not her fault. He wasn't meeting her needs. Um, so the scars scene. Uh, after that, it moves into arguably the most famous scene in this movie, the monologue about the USS
2: Indianapolis. Is that the most famous scene?
0: I think arguably, yeah.
2: Famous in what sense? Like it's referred to in like popular culture because I was not familiar with that scene.
0: Well, when people who've seen the movie anyway think of the film, I mean, there's like so many famous scenes from this movie that you really can't pick one out, but I think that is one of the premier standout scenes of the film.
1: Knowing that you said that it's a true story too, it's very informative because again, neither of us knew that that was... So that's a piece of more, again... Um, information passing to the audience, but in this case, maybe more accurate. Yeah, like I consider facts. myself
2: someone who like knows like a lot of stories about World War II, but I didn't actually know that one. Yeah. Well,
0: in case uh, anyone listening is curious, yes, the story Quinn tells about the USS Indianapolis is a true one. The monologue, though, there's a little bit about the monologue and in, uh, background info, which is that uh, although it's disputed who contributed what, The monologue was written slash rewritten very heavily by the actor, Robert Shaw himself. So he uh, not just performed it, but created an awful lot of it. And it is an incredibly powerful, memorable, incredible monologue. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Did
2: Shaw serve in World War II at all? I wonder.
0: Um, He, well, he wouldn't have served in the American military because he (laughs) is... Not American. (laughs) You don't say. Yes, he is an Englishman, but as to whether or not he fought in the war, I don't know. That'd be interesting to find out, though. Yeah, definitely. You know, if he's speaking from experience in some way, at least about the stress of what war is, right? So, anywho, they finally bond after this scene, and then, of course, hear some real fucked up shit about Quinn's past. And the fight with the shark begins for real.
2: Yeah, they really get into shark battling territory.
0: Yeah, and the for shark. a while. The shark kind of whoops like their ass. It's like two movies. It is. It is very much like two movies where you've got the scary part in the beginning of the shark attacking random people, and then the man versus nature war. And the second.
2: I mean, I think that, especially the second part, has inspired so many movies that tend to like only take place on a boat or in the water. Right. Like That's a genre in itself. That sounds kind of like what you were expecting, Faith, given your predictions. Right. There was a lot more island stuff. I thought it was just going to be like kind of short at the beginning, and they were just going to be on the boat for a long time. I mean, they were on the boat for a long time. Yes. yes.
0: But there's just an awful lot of movie before that. It's a long film. Yeah. But uh, worth every second, if you ask me. Anyway, as I mentioned, the shark kind of kicks their ass from beginning to end of this engagement. Quint, not used to losing to a shark, starts to go a little bit crazy. Mhm. Kind of goes full Ahab. That's so mean.
2: I'd say he goes like three quarters Ahab because he still is like working with the team and like trying to like keep the goal to like get the shark and keep them alive as opposed to get the shark and... Whatever cost
0: he does destroy the radio when Brody starts trying to send an SOS.
1: That was the most Ahaby thing I think he did. I also think he wanted the money. The height of the Ahabness. Well, shit! His boat is
2: destroyed. He needs
1: the money he to buy a new boat. The, he
2: could buy a fleet in, uh, you know, 1970 with oh ten thousand bucks. Ten thousand bucks. dollars. He could buy Amity Island for that much. True.
0: Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. And so we get our our denouement where the shark. Beats them like a rented mule for 40 minutes, knocks Richard Dreyfus out of the movie, eats Quint, and then it's Roy Scheider, Chief Brody versus the shark, Mano Amano. He does the smart thing. I mean, he blows it up. I mean, you, I he would. He used
1: his regular guy intuitions. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And he gives it a great kiss off line, too.
1: Yes. the I, I don't remember what the exact one-liner was, but.
0: Smile, you son of a
1: broo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was it.
0: Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. I love that scene. And uh, then Hooper pops back up, (laughs) claims half the credit.
2: And it kind of just ends. There's no like, you know. Well, they won. Yeah. I
3: don't
1: really know what else. Yeah.
0: What else is there to say? They start heading back to shore and the tide is with them.
1: Mm -hmm. They go back to have a threesome with Brody's wife. Mrs. Brody. Don't you think that's a happy ending? I do. I think she's the real winner there.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, in uh, in Jaws two, they have several more children, and they all look like Richard Dreyfus. All right, that's some casting. So, well, they're all played by Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. he's
1: doing like a like a nutty professor, but with the children. Yeah, in it, the
0: it's sequel. it's uh it's more like
2: it's more of a comedy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if that's it for the plot, unless you guys have anything more you want to say
2: about it. No, I think they chased the shark and then they killed the shark. Well done. Mhm. All right, well let's talk a little bit about how this movie did. Well, I'm pretty sure that, you know, up to that point it was the most successful movie ever. Maybe. Made? Yeah. Well, hang on one second. So,
0: mm. we know that this movie had a budget of 9 million dollars it made 7 million dollars on its opening weekend and recouped all of its expenses after 2 weeks. Jaws was the highest grossing film of all time until Star Wars like which 2 TV years later 2 years later. Yes. But it still made a lot of money. Guys, how much do you think Jaws made worldwide on a budget of 9 million dollars?
1: Like since like altogether or just when it was in the uh, theaters?
0: You know, I think this is all together, but I think the lion's share of it was when it was in theaters.
1: I'm going to guess $67 million.
2: Okay, Faith? I mean, I don't know if this is fair because I think I did hear it, but I forgot. So I think I'm going to say 140 Uh You guys are close.
0: It's $470.7 <laughs> <$470. laughs> million. Okay. We were close. Yeah, highest grossing film of all time, don't forget, at least for them. Um, interestingly enough, uh, it... Opened in an unusually wide release for the time, still not as wide as what we would consider wide release, but like several hundred theaters at once, which for the time is usually a sign that was like for like low rent movies, you know, like a a high end movie would get like a couple cities in the east coast and do it gradually but on this one they went they went big
2: well they were actually like starting to at that time change like the method of distribution exactly partly because this movie did so well but in general they were starting because the godfather had done so well a couple years before they were starting to release movies like in theaters all at once which wasn't a thing they did before they would before like gradually roll them out and like so a successful movie would do well in various places after a time, but then like like, a tour. Yeah. Like a tour and And they build up word of mouth and stuff. Right. But here, like they realized it was doing well. They, they wanted to market it that way. And then it did so well initially that they just like started blasting movies that way. Exactly.
0: So this is uh, something that had started a little bit with the Godfather, like you said, but with this movie and particularly with how this movie then subsequently performed once they released it this way, it permanently changed the model. There is some debate as to when the term blockbuster came about, but it is most heavily associated with this film and the phenomenon of lines around the block to go see this film. And this is the movie that more than any other marks the initiation of what we call the blockbuster era of Hollywood.
2: Yeah, I mean, not just like what actually happened at the time. I mean, like this movie was like on the news, partly because it was such a big hit and partly because like people were like afraid to go in the water, apparently, like afraid to go on the beaches after watching this movie. I was. Yeah, but so I think it was like started with Jaws and then like went further with um, Star Wars. But like just the way it was shot, it seems so influential. Like it feels like a blockbuster movie. It feels modern. Like a lot of the way that it's shot, like the blockbuster tropes are in this movie and well, they're still the pr- they're still with us.
0: It's the prototypical Spielberg movie too, just yeah. stylistically, mm. you know. There's um a very good YouTube channel that I suppose I'll plug so long as I'm talking about it. It's called Every Frame of Painting. And uh, yeah, it's great. this channel, they are no longer making new videos, but you can still see their old stuff. And it's like it's like film school on a YouTube channel. And they have an entire episode dedicated to what they call the the Spielberg Wonner, which is um, Spielberg doesn't always do incredibly long, showy single takes, but he does kind of like a medium length single take in an interesting way. And they talk a lot about some shots from this film. It just feels very modern, I felt. Sure, sure. This movie was nominated for four Oscars. It won three. It won for Best Film Editing, Best Sound, and Best Original Score. It did not win for Best Picture. And Steven Spielberg was not even nominated for Best Director. Wow, that's gotta hurt. He was very salty about, yes. The score, on the other hand, also won a Grammy, a BAFTA, and a Golden Globe. It's kind of the arrival of John Williams, right? It absolutely is. So, John Williams composed the film Score, which earned him an Academy Award, and it was later ranked by the American Film Institute, AFI, as the sixth greatest movie score of all time.
1: What's the first? Star Wars. Ah, Star Wars. Mm -hmm.
0: So he beat himself, basically. He basically beat himself in the top five. Yeah. Well, um, I'll toss out the other ones. Uh, So... Going down from Jaws. Jaws number seven uh sorry, Jaws number six, then number five is The Godfather, then Psycho, then Lawrence of Arabia, then Gone with the Wind, number one is Star Wars.
2: I mean okay. those are those are all good scores, I would say. Sure.
0: You know, I don't know if I can think of the Gone with
2: the Wind score off the top of my head. I mean I've not seen most of Gone with the Wind.
0: It feels to me kind of like a legacy ranking, where like that's a big movie historically, so they're giving it to it. But I, I would describe that s- score as swelling. Sure, it just it yeah. feels like one of those Oscars that they give to an actor for a lesser performance late in their career, where they're just like, "Well, we gotta give you one eventually." You know, just,
1: I, I really picture a lot of like just classical music when I think of that right. score.
0: You're not humming the "Gone with the Wind" score the way you are a John Williams score. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, John Williams first demonstrated his idea of this to Spielberg by playing the two notes that are the main part of it on the piano to him, Spielberg thought it was a joke. <laughs> because you wouldn't think, right? It's just, duh, duh. like, okay, where's the rest of it?
2: Right. Well, Spielberg also likes music to be really expressive. Well, does he or is that Williams? I mean, that's a great question. Well, the way
1: he uses Williams' music, at least sometimes... You know, you, there's no music. There's very little music in this movie. And then there's just sometimes there's this sort of like triumphant music, especially when uh, Brody was climbing the boat to the top. There was like this kind of triumphant like hero music playing. And it was kind of a scary scene. And the music was kind of a little like jovulent, jubilant whatever.
0: I'm sorry. It was a little what?
1: It was a little like happy. Upbeat. Jubilant? Jubilant. Thank you.
0: Okay, just checking. Because <laughs> I I could have sworn you said javulent.
1: Job. well, you know what? You know, I'm not good at vocabulary, okay?
0: Right. Uh, aren't you a language teacher?
1: That's not what this podcast is about, and I don't want to talk about it.
0: So Spielberg later said that without Williams' score, the film would only have been half as successful. And I think that's even being conservative. I think the da part of this makes the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it still would have been good, but man, that... That music is so important. It's very effective.
2: You can't really picture what it would be like, like without that.
0: I can't. No, I can't. And uh, Williams credits it with jumpstarting his career. From that point on, he'd worked with Spielberg once before, but uh, after this, they worked together on almost every film that Spielberg made. So, I like it a lot. I think it's one of the best ever. Let's talk about what people thought of this critically. This movie has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 90% audience score. According to the critics, it was a pretty good movie. Ebert said it's a sensationally effective action picture, a scary thriller that works all the better because it's populated with bleh, because it's populated with characters that have been developed into human beings. I think that's very true. All of our characters are pretty well defined. Sure. Even if Brody was defined as being kind of bland. Right. Gene Siskel said, what this movie is about and where it succeeds best is the primordial level of fear. Also true, I think. A lot of people yeah. were afraid to
1: swim
2: after this Right. Film. I mean, one of the most effective scenes is when they're in the water and they run out. You can picture like being part of that. Like you feel like you're there. Well, yeah.
1: It really connects you with the fear.
0: I remain afraid of swimming in the ocean because of this film. Pauline, That's why
1: you never come to the beach with us.
0: It's part of it. Interesting. I don't like going in the ocean. Pauline Kale said, it's the most cheerfully perverse scare movie ever with more zest than an early Woody Allen picture, a lot more electricity, and it's funny in a Woody Allen sort of way. Pauline Kale had some strange opinions. Yeah, okay, Pauline Kale. <laughs> okay. That scene where it ate the kid was a laugh riot. I lolled. Uh, For a more contemporary or contemporary for that contemporary for us for a more modern perspective, James Berardinelli says when it comes to this kind of thriller, no movie has been able to top Jaws, although many have tried. And as the years go by, it seems increasingly likely that it seems increasingly unlikely that anything will come close. I mean, part of the legacy of this film is that it kicked off an entire genre of movie. So there is the whole man getting eaten by animals and very often in the water genre that all came out of this film. So a few of those that I found off Wikipedia, there's Orca, Grizzly, Mako, The Jaws of Death, Barracuda, Alligator, Day of the Animals, Tintoretta, and Eaten Alive. And a little more recent, Piranha, I think, is a classic. Well, back and then...
2: Waters, right?
0: Uh, hang on. Back then, the movie Piranha came out, directed by Joe Dante, which Spielberg referred to as the best of the Jaws ripoffs. Today, we see still more of this trend with Deep Blue Sea, Lake Placid, Anaconda, and the remakes of Piranha which in the opening scene of the first one features Richard Dreyfuss in a cameo as the first victim of the Piranhas. Fair enough. Good sport. Yeah. Also, I really kind of like that movie. No, it's actually quite good. The new Piranha? Yeah, it's fun. Um, It's
1: really just not my genre, guys, if I'm being honest.
0: Well, that's fair. Maybe you agree with Marsha McGill, who gives the movie kind of a negative review. Hmm. She said that while Jaws is eminently worth seeing for its second half, Uh, She felt that before the protagonists start pursuing the shark, it was the movie was often flawed by its busyness. I don't know. But Hmm. um, the most frequently criticized part of this movie is how fake the the shark looks when you actually do see it. It's kind of, as you said, Faith, it doesn't look great once you actually get a good look at it.
2: I mean, I was like at first, like when you just see its face, it looks not bad because gray white sharks are actually really weird looking.
0: Yeah, but it's it's a quick, limited look. Right. You know, the more they show, the more fake it is.
2: I mean, I actually disagree with that review because, like, when I said I didn't find it boring, <laughs> it was because I found it a lot, like, leaner than I expected. A lot of 70s and 80s movies, because they have different pacing, yes. feel like things are taking a lot of time. But Spielberg had his style kind of right from the beginning. He's like, nope, we are not going to take time. We're going to say our lines, and then we're going to cut. I no. couldn't
0: agree more. I, and I, yeah. I think th- that film is better for it. I mean, maybe you lose a little bit by not giving actors room to like take scenes and let them breathe. But I think audiences just process information faster than they were giving them credit for. We get it, you know, pretty quickly.
2: It's just less theatrical and more like
0: movie like. Yeah. It It is as we define it now. Yeah. It's more focused on plot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys, this film, we've talked about its legacy already a little bit. It is routinely called one of the greatest films of all time. AFI ranks Bruce the shark as number 18 of the best movie villains ever. And it ranks, you're going to need a bigger boat as number 35 of their best movie quotes ever.
1: I mean, that's a good quote.
0: Sure. Totally. You two might like this uh, little tidbit in 2012. The Motion Picture Editors Guild listed the film as the eighth best edited film of all time, based on a survey of its own membership. The film was edited by Verna Fields, and apparently she actually came in and changed some of what Spielberg initially did in the shoot to switch them around. So some scenes that were shot to be comic, she made scary. Some scenes that were scary, she made comic, and it changed the film for the better. Because I mean, of her influence.
2: I usually like a blockbuster to have a lot of jokes, but I think here I didn't miss them. And it probably added to, you know, the actual tension.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the movie is exquisitely well edited. We talked about the fact that they edit around seeing the shark being so critical to the movie's tension and success. You know, a lot of that is her. Um, she wound up as she well won. She won an Oscar for this movie. She established close ties with not just Spielberg, but with Lucas. Uh, within a year after the movie came out, she was appointed as the vice president for feature production at Universal Studios. Oh, wow. And she was one of the first women to enter upper level management in the entertainment industry.
1: Like that? Interesting for a movie that is has no female characters. I mean, I don't think that was her choice. Of course not. But I'm saying yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That led to... Well, both Spielberg
2: and Lucas actually liked to use, like, female production. I mean, uh, Lucas used his wife. Like, she was, um, like, an editor in her own right. Hmm.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. The movie spawned three sequels, all of them terrible. But uh, I will say Jaws 2 at least has a good tagline, which is, uh, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That's one of the better taglines, definitely. I think it's pretty good. And... Lastly, the movie was very famously adapted into a Universal Studios ride. Yes. Which unfortunately closed in twenty twelve. But is still open at the Universal in Japan.
1: Excellent. I do remember the ride. That's the one memory I really have from this movie beforehand. Have you been on the ride? I have, yeah. I went on the ride. It was Universal it was in California though. I went on Florida. no, I went on a Jaws ride in California. So it had to have been something else. It was definitely in California. Do they have a Universal Studios there?
0: No idea. Not according to the page I was on.
2: Well, the was- internet says your uh, experience is wrong, Aaron.
0: Well, the internet is often wrong. that's
2: not true. The Internet is never.
0: Oh, that's I'm sorry, Faith. I wasn't looking at the Internet when I said that. According to the Internet, the Internet is always right, Erin. I'm sorry. Mm, I see.
1: Well, I yeah, I've been to Universal Studios several times in Florida. I love that place. But um, it was definitely in California.
0: Whatever. The point is, guys, we're now at the time when I turn it over to you. What did y'all think of the movie Jaws?
1: I understand that it is a very influential, important, groundbreaking movie on many levels. Uh, but it just, it's not my personal cup of tea. You're um, killing me. I'm very sorry. I kind of like, would have liked a little bit more theatrics um, Aaron. in a way. Uh, I'm sorry. That's just that's just uh, my uh, opinion, man. Through the heart. Uh, I know this is one of your favorite movies. I just, I, and again, I under, it just kind of made me feel a little bored if I'm just being honest.
2: All
0: right, Faith.
1: Well, I'm actually
2: going to have to disagree with you, Aaron, and I will like be open about, I don't think this is my type of genre either. Mm-hmm. However, I was not bored and pleasantly surprised at not being bored. I thought it was a lean movie. I thought the direction was excellent, and I thought the male excessive camaraderie was kept to a minimum. If there had been much more male scenes, I probably like them talking and bonding in an excessive way. I probably wouldn't have gotten so into it, but I really enjoyed this movie. Right I, on. I, I didn't feel like it was two, over two hours. Cool, cool.
0: Um, I guess we kind of have a sense of what you think, Aaron, but uh, Faith, do you think that this movie is scary?
2: I wasn't particularly scared, no, but I do think that I would have been terrified as a child, so I'm glad I didn't see it as a kid.
0: Yeah, so from my own experience, I saw this movie first when I was pretty young. It would have been before I was 10, certainly, and it scared the living shit out of me.
1: That's understandable.
0: I think also my fear regarding both this film specifically and the ocean in general was reinforced by the fact that um, my family used to vacation in Florida every year, and after... It was known that I'd seen this film whenever we went out swimming in the ocean on these trips. My father would very loudly sing the music from this movie. That's quite funny. (laughs) And I would beg him and beg him to stop, but he wouldn't. And even if intellectually you know that you're perfectly safe, if you are a child and you are hearing that music and you've just seen the film or even if you've seen the film at all. You just can't help but start getting a little more nervous and a little more nervous until finally you have to get out of the fucking water and now you're not going to swim for the rest of the trip. Thanks, Dad. The sunburn feels fucking awesome. I love you too. I mean, it's pretty mean, but
1: sort of amusing. God damn it. Yeah, I, I kind of like that he did that.
0: <sighs> well, then you guys vacation with him then.
1: No, because, I mean, nope, that's your job. That's also, it does explain your. Just hatred of beaches. And- it's true.
2: Dave does like do a sand check on us whenever we get to his apartment.
0: Well, I mean, look, it's not just that I don't like the ocean, it's that I don't like sand. I don't like the sun. I don't particularly like other people. You can see why the beach, it really is not my place.
2: Well, you're missing out. That's all I can say because the New England beaches are beautiful in the summer.
0: Yes. You know, amity means friendship.
1: I actually didn't hear that. I, yeah. I had not I'm not that sure that's before. true. Well. Should you ask the internet?
0: The internet's always right. But one thing the internet doesn't know you guys is your position on the final question. Was Jaws better late or never? Keeping in mind
3: that this <laughs> question means
0: me. better late is there something critical and essential about this movie and that seeing it is an essential part of any movie watcher's uh, life experience. Whereas never means that if you don't see this movie for the rest of your life, you know what, guys?
2: That's okay.
0: Faith, you go first.
2: I mean, I it's not what I expected, but I'm going to say better late. Like, Yay! I'm glad I saw this movie, and I think my film knowledge is expanded by having seen it.
0: Right on, right on, Erin.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's just going to have to be a then never for me dog. So sorry.
0: Uh, why?
1: I Again, I just, I totally understand why it's significant and important, but I feel like I could just read the book that Faith is reading and be okay with that. Like, I just didn't feel like I needed to see the movie. And it just kind of again, was just a little boring for me. I don't know. It's just something about the way the movie paced forward for me. Just, I wouldn't want to watch it again. I don't feel like I need to. I do, of course, appreciate certain scenes, certain aspects, but overall, I don't think I would really be upset if I had not seen it or never saw it.
0: Well, all right. It's your opinion, and I judge you for it. Yes. But God damn it. It's yours. It's
1: mine.
0: Well, guys, that is going to be it for us today. If you'd like to contact the podcast, you can email us at betterlatethaneverpod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. And if there's one last thing we got to do before we head on out this week, show me the way to to go go
1: go home. (laughs) I'm tired and I want to go to bed. bed.
0: I had a little little drink drink about an hour hour ago,
2: and it went right to my head. Show me the
0: way to go home. home,
2: home. I'm tired
0: and I want to go to bed.
3: I had a little drink
0: about an hour ago, and
3: it got right to my head. Wherever I'm there, on land or sea or phone, you can always...